I wanted to talk to you today about rejection because it's a very difficult subject to broach, but I think it's a very important one for writers to to deal with and to understand and to learn to live with because rejection goes hand in hand with any creative endeavor because you're putting your work out into the world and inevitably people are going to say no to it. People are going to choose other things. People are going to say yes to it. Uh, And it's living with that that sort of balance of terror, I suppose, that uh, I think can define you as a writer in some ways. Because uh, though it sucks at first, you do learn to get used to it and you grow a thick skin and you learn how to keep going. Now, the reason that I'm, I'm bringing this up is I had a rejection of sorts, I suppose, uh, on Friday night at the WA Premier's Literary Awards, where I was shortlisted for the Emerging Writers Award. Now, it was five other writers, they chose Elfie Shiyosaki's Homecoming as a very deserving winner. It's a fantastic book, and I thoroughly recommend that you get your, get, a, get your hands on it because uh, it was wonderful to see her take the prize because in addition to it being a really deserving winner, I was just honored to be on the shortlist. I was on a shortlist of fantastic works with other writers, and we all kind of had like a one in five chance of winning. So though at the time, I was personally disappointed not to win the prize, I was also just celebratory for Elf, uh, for Elfie's win and for just the pure pleasure of being there. So it was a kind of weird, I suppose, rejection in, in a sense that you're up for something and you have a good chance of getting it, but you don't end up getting it. So there's this kind of roller coaster of emotions that went with it. And I'll tell you, I felt like I was having a heart attack in the lead up to uh, when they were announcing it. And the weeks that led up to the night were the most delicious kind of pleasure. Uh, pr- not pleasure, um... Uh, tension in the air. You know, there was just this constant nagging feeling of, oh, it's two weeks from now. Oh, it's one week from now. It's five days from now. It's five minutes from now. Tick, 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 tick. And you're constantly trying to think about it and constantly trying to not think about it and let your fantasies run away from you. Or what if I did win it? What if I didn't? All this kind of stuff. In the end, it was actually a bit of a relief (laughs) when uh, when it it all sort of finished up. And we ended up having a really great night. Um, which is what it's all about anyway, you know, just hanging out with your friends and having some drinks and celebrating the shortlisting, celebrating the win of other people and celebrating writing because that's what we're all part of. So it was a different kind of rejection, I suppose. It was a good one. It was one that I was proud to be part of and proud to get. But it also came at a time where I had some no's for other things. I had rejections for funding applications. I had rejections for competitions. I had rejections for other writing programs that I've been trying to get into and all that kind of stuff and at the time they're a little bit hard to take they're like ah what could I have done to to have gotten over the line what could I have said that would have given me a higher chance all that kind of stuff and you go you'd like I say you go through that emotional roller coaster yet again in the end though I dug into myself and into my experiences and went right well how do I make this feel better you know because rejections do suck It sucks to be told no for anything that you've put time and effort into. But part of growing a thick skin is just being able to say, wasn't my time. My time will come. A door shuts, a window opens. Now, I wasn't always like this with rejection. I remember my first couple of rejections when I was putting myself out there there in a literary sense, because I think there's a real difference between 
competition and competitions that you've entered and that you maybe you've been shortlisted for and also um, applying for grants and that kind of thing as opposed to literary rejection of your work because the competitions and the uh, funding applications really there's um, they're in the hands of a panel of judges so uh, and, and they go through a, a particular process and it's really kind of nothing to do with you like uh, for the premier's prize my publisher put me in for that and then there's nothing I, I don't I didn't know who the judges were there's nothing I can do to uh, to connect with them or sway them or anything like that it would be totally illegal right um, so it's really out of your hands and it's kind of nothing to do with you. And all you can do really is to try to just enjoy the experience and, and, um, and just take it as it comes. And it's kind of the same with applications for funding. You can do the work and do it as well as you can. But in the end, it's up to a panel of people whom you may not even ever meet. It's not, it's not really up to you. There's nothing you can do. With literary rejection, when you're sending your work out, you're sending it usually to a specific person or to a specific organization whom you will have some sort of idea for. So though it is professional, it does have that sting of personal to it. And so in the beginning, when I started out, I think I took it way too personally. You know, my first, my first novel was one called Redgate. I worked on that for a very long time. And when it was finally ready, or so I thought it was, to send out into the world, um, you know, I, I pitched it to certain people and, you know, they all came back and said no. Some in much nicer ways than others. But all of those rejections were quite hard to take because it's such a process of pumping yourself up to even be able to submit it. Um, it's one thing to write it. It's one thing to have the guts to write it, the determination to keep going. And then the ability to hold your nose after the first draft and go back and fix all the, all the crap in, the, in it and make it even better and rewrite it two, three, four, however many times it takes to get it to a point where you think it's ready to go, to get readers, to get an editor to work with you, to do any of those steps that are necessary. And this can take years. And believe me, you know, Redgate took me five years, I think, um, in the beginning. This is the manuscript even before Locust Summer was, was even an idea. Um, and those rejections really hurt because they were the first time I'd had dealing with that. It was the first time that I'd sort of experienced someone telling me no in what, in what is a very ruthlessly fair process. Uh, there's no special pleading. There's no tribunal. It's just yes or no. And I think that's, that's what makes writing so appealing. It's what, what's, what's great. It's a great meritocracy. Uh, so, but that said, meritocracy, yeah, but also taste. It's... The point that I would make about uh, that the judging panels for competitions and for uh, grants, you know, that's impersonal. When somebody rejects your work, it's because of taste. It's not because they don't like you specifically. It feels that way because, uh, in the beginning at least, because your writing is very much a part of you and it's part of your identity and this, this, you know, this precious baby that you've released out into the world has suddenly been called ugly by somebody and you're like, ah, oh, it's affronting. But then you, if you can move past your emotions on that, you, you realize they said no for certain reasons. And they can say no because perhaps the work is not up to scratch. That's probably 90% of rejections are based on that. But then you move into the 10% where they just didn't like it, just didn't speak to them. Now I've got some quotes on uh, writing I want to share. 
So the first quote on writing is from Barbara Kingsolver, who says, This manuscript of yours that has just come back from another editor is a precious package. Don't consider it rejected. Consider that you've addressed it to the editor who can appreciate my work and has simply come back stamped, not at this address. Just keep looking for the right one. I think there's great wisdom in that because you are in the end looking for someone who sees what you see or who sees it perhaps in an even better light than what you see. You're looking for a like mind. You're looking for, uh, forgive the swearing, a fuck yes, not a fuck no. You know, it has to be that passionate. Now, with Locust Summer, that was rejected more than 30 times at different stages of its manuscript development. But the ones that really hurt were the ones that came about after I had been through a murderously difficult rewriting process. So to still have people saying no was a real knock to the ego. But once you get past that, that sort of ego-driven response, you look through the rejection and think, hang on, if they didn't like it, what didn't they like about it? There must be still something that I need to fix. So that's what led me to rewrite essentially the first half of the book. Then when I did send it out to Fremantle Press, it was an instantaneous yes. You know, it was a, it was a yes, we want this book. So it, it did find someone who said yes to it. And I think that's an encouraging thing because it allows you to not take it so personally. It is the work, not you, that's being rejected. And that work has to be liked by someone or by a, a group of people. So you, you're not looking for them to like you. It still hurts though. So there's another one that I really liked from David Mitchell, who said, I got a rejection letter from an editor at HarperCollins who included a report from his professional reader. This report shredded my firstborn novel, laughed at my phrasing, twirled my lazy pretensions around and gobbed into the seething mosh pit of my stolen cliches. As I read the report, the world became very quiet and stopped rotating. What poisoned me? was the fact that the report's criticisms were all absolutely true. The sound, of my the sound of my landlady digging in the garden got the world moving again. I slipped the letter into the trash, knowing I'd remember every word. I think that says it all. Rejections are a part of writing. Uh, there's a great quote uh, that's attributed to Casanova, who said, we submit to conquer. It's kind of a funny or double on today, but we submit to conquer. I do believe that's really true. Uh, we submit to conquer in a sense that uh, it's to get published or to, to um, win a competition or to get the kudos that, that you want. But also I think we submit to conquer ourselves. We submit to conquer the fear that we have of being judged for our work. When you've done your work, the work stands on its own and people can like it or hate it. That equation doesn't change after you've been published. You're free to like Locust Summer. You're free to not like Locust Summer. Um, it's got nothing to do with me anymore. And really, once your book is written, it's got nothing to do with you either. It's a gift to the world that you give in a spirit of generosity. And if people, you know, that that's the world that we're operating in. So rejection never ends. It's just always out there. It's scary, but it's part of the thrill of, of creativity. So how do you keep going uh, after a rejection, it's natural to want to curl up in a ball and want to die. Uh, but a cup of tea usually helps. 
a whiskey, a soothing word from your significant other. Um, but really, writing is the only cure. Work is the cure. You know, um, to keep backing yourself after rejection is hard and it can motivate you and it can strengthen you. But ultimately, it's the writing is the thing that encourages. The writing is the thing that really feels good. And I'm happy to say that I was, uh, after the Premier's Writing Award, I got, I got good and drunk after that. It was great. I had six of the best at the bar and then I went out with some, with some writing mates and we had a really good night. Um, the next day, after feeling a bit sorry for myself, I thought, right, stuff this. The thing that I, needed, I wanted to take away from that night was just how joyful that room full of writers and writing was and how wonderful it was to be part of that. And that put me on a better path, I think, of getting back to work on my work in progress and taking the lessons from the other writers that I'd learned and putting them into action. So you accept your feelings and you've got to find a way to use them as fuel to keep going rather than as a break to stop you from doing these things. It'd be easy just to, to wallow in somebody else's opinion of your work. Say, well, they've rejected it. Uh, it means it's no good or I'm no good. Or it wasn't for them. Or maybe I need to get back to work and actually sort out some of the problems in this. And then with competitions and with grants, it's like, well, it just wasn't my time. It was somebody else's and, and you know, congratulations to them. That's, that's awesome. And you just keep going. Rejection sucks, but it's really, it's, these are the bricks that get hurled at us and we build a house with it. And in the end, who cares? You know, there's, there's that Rudyard Kipling um, poem, If, where he talks about uh, victory and defeat being, being sort of one and the same. That it's not about that. It's about the process. The process is all we have as writers. And the process is in the end the thing that you will look back on and enjoy the most. The actual material outcome of any of your work is not especially in your control. What you can control is the blank page and how you tackle it and how you feel in tackling it. So I'm happy to say that um, after a lot of rejections, I've, I think I've developed a, a thick skin for it and um, I'm not going to call it a wisdom, but at least a an ability to accept and to move on and to do it gladly. Uh, I think that's the most important part. You've got to be able to do it gladly and just, just take it as, you know, um, as another step along the path. Uh, I wish I could say this stuff to myself when I was, um, when I was just starting out in writing because you think you're the bee's knees and you're the <laughs> how dare anybody say no, but uh, it's, it's just part of it. Uh, and in the end, really, um, you'll be glad of the scars. You'll be glad of the bruises. You'll be glad because at least you're in the arena taking hits. You know, to paraphrase Teddy Roosevelt, you're in the arena taking hits, you're not in the stand watching. If you're going to be in the arena, you've got to be prepared to, to get a bit bloody. And there's no better feeling than getting a bit bloody for something that you are fire and brimstone passionate about. Uh, there's nothing I can recommend more in the world. Let's have some more quotes on rejection. I love this stuff. So <laughs> Isaac Asimov says, rejection slips or form letters, however tactfully phrased, are lacerations of the soul, if not quite inventions of the devil. But there is no way around them. Some of the best rejections that I've ever got have been 
rejections that give you a reason. That's extremely rare. Most of the time you either get a blank slip saying, or sorry, a form letter saying, Dear Mr. Alan Patali, thank you for the submission of insert work here. Um, we are we regretfully say that we cannot uh, take your book on at this time. We wish you luck for your future writing endeavours. Yours sincerely, the team at Insert Publishing House. Those are fine because it's a definitive no. At least you can then move on. You can get a little bit of closure, but there's always that nagging feeling of, well, why? Come on, give me some detail. You know, perhaps be a bit more specific in your feedback. Um, but the letters that you get where there's a reason or they give you a, I don't know, just one or two lines and they can seem like the harshest lines in the world. You know, this, this did not do what I thought it was going to or, uh, you know, you need to get to the point all this kind of stuff. I've had great rejections like that, which sting like hell because there's actually a reason and that burrows its way into your mind. But like what David Mitchell said, you know that they're a hundred percent right. The truth hurts, but from pain, we create art and from great pain, we create great art. So these are the sort of rejections that are like gold dust. They're like the best clues. And I greatly admire any editor or critic who can dish them out because it does take guts to dish that out. It, I think it's um, even, I think it's cowardly giving um, rejection slips that are form letters. Uh, I understand why it's done that way. There's so many books being submitted and they don't have the time or that kind of thing. But if someone has taken the time to reject you and formally address you and give you a reason, there's something there, isn't there? There's something powerful there. There's a helping hand there. It's not a closed fist. It's a helping hand. And being able to keep your ego in check and look for that, I think is really instructive. There's a story I often tell about the last rejection I got for Locust Summer um, was on the face of it, quite a harsh one. was saying um, that I needed to do more, more work on the story mechanics like to, uh, in the first couple of chapters that maybe I should take some to take some writing lessons, which bruised me no, no end. <laughs> but then I thought about it. I thought, hang on, that's, that's right. I don't have the time for the writing lessons, but I do have resources that I can tap into because the story mechanics of the first couple of chapters aren't quite right. My God, they're right. There needs to be more hooks. There needs to be a little bit more explanation. There needs to be just a softer entrance for the reader. So... I ended up completely rewriting the first bit of the book and reorganizing things. And then lo and behold, what happened next? Acceptance by Fremantle Press. So it's harsh, but it's necessary. And the thicker the skin you can develop, the more support systems you have in place for yourself as a writer are, are, are great. Going for a walk, going for a run, having, having someone that you can talk to honestly about these things. And being honest with yourself about how you're feeling. I think um, I had a really cool moment actually at the premieres where it was maybe five minutes before the announcement of the award and my chest was, I was going a hundred miles an hour. I was sweating. I was terrified. I had my, you know, I, had, I was ready if, if, you know, if it, if it should happen, but it was just so emotional. It was just so incredibly intense. And I knew that everybody in the room, all the other, myself and the four other writers on the list were feeling the same way as me. 
they were all around me. I could see them. And I just felt incredibly connected to them in that moment. And I almost had like an out-of-body experience where I looked at the room and thought, this is how I'm feeling. I'm feeling scared. I'm feeling nervous. I'm feeling incredibly excited. All these things. And I just went through all the feelings that I was having and went, that's cool. Thank you for that. That's cool. Thank you for that. And I just calmed down. So I got out of my own way. I often talk about that in writing. You've got to get out of your own way. Get out of your own head. Get out of your own bullshit headspace and I can't do this and I can't do that. Get out of get out of your own way. You enter your flow state. You enter the creativity zone. You enter a powerful place where you can just be yourself. And that was really cool. I just calmed down. And then... Uh, they read the name out, Elfie Shiyosaki, and I was just freaking overjoyed. I was like, yeah, that's awesome. Shit, yeah. And she hugged her husband, and then she went up, and she got the she got the prize. They gave her a bouquet of flowers. She gave a beautiful acceptance speech. And then it was just, it was like a relief, almost. And it was cool, because being in that generous space allowed me to enjoy it a lot more. So bringing it full circle on rejections, if you get one, by all means, feel what you're feeling. But don't let it be your destiny. Look at it again. Get out of your own way and go, okay, I'm feeling this way, why? Let's have a look at this rejection again and see what it really means because it's a call for you to actually do something with it. Yeah, you're going to get the, the occasional really harsh uh, rejection where maybe you can't do anything with that and that's best to duck. But there are some good ones that will come your way um, and just... Yeah, try to try to take them with grace and keep working. That's the only thing that's available to us as writers. It's really the only thing we can do. And you know what? It's the only thing I'd want to do. <laughs> so uh, I've got to say I am completely reinvigorated with my work in progress now. In the lead up to the competition, uh, the awards night, I couldn't really think of anything else. But now I'm back in two feet. Two feet and two fists, let's go. I hope your writing's going well. And just remember, we submit to conquer. We put ourselves out there so we can learn and so we give ourselves the chance. It's one thing to write. It's one thing to dream. It's one thing to do it. It's another thing completely to put it out into the world. And if you're doing that or preparing to do that, I wish you all the luck in the world and all the power in your fingertips to keep making it the best thing that you can. I'll see you next week. Thank you.